Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Luke Holloway, editor of The Journal. In this episode, I'll be talking to Julie Page and Keith Richards. This episode of the podcast, we're talking about supporting colleagues with their mental health. And we're joined by Julie Page, president of the Chartered Insurance Institute, and Keith Richards, chief executive of the Personal Finance Society. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here's our conversation with Julie and Keith. Hello, Julie, and hello, Keith. And thank you for joining us today on CII Radio. Hi, Luke. Delighted to be here. Yeah, hi Luke. Uh, likewise, delighted to be here today. Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate you joining us today. So um, now it's been a very challenging year for those working in the insurance and financial services professions, in some cases for individuals personally, but also for the clients and the customers they serve. Julie, if I could start by asking you how you feel the pandemic has impacted the mental health of those working in the insurance profession. Well, Luke, on one level, you can say we're very lucky because our environment operates very effectively in this remote world. And many of us were more ready to move out to our various homes and locations to manage that more ready than we anticipated. So I think we even, to some degree, surprised ourselves. So on one level, I would say we're lucky because of that. Uh, But you can assume anything. Everybody is an individual. They're facing their own challenges. In our industry, we're also operating in a market which is quite tough right now. Uh, And that means the day job got harder. And it got harder at the same time as many people are having to handle homeschooling or care for parents or just find ways to navigate difficult home environments, difficult environments within which to get the job done. So, you know, it's really not that straightforward. There's a kind of the general, yes, we carry on working, but then there is that, you know, really difficult balance that some people have in their lives. And then we've just got that sort of sweeping statement that everybody is carrying just a little bit more anxiety and a little bit more frustration as a result of the pandemic. So it's a mixed bag and not a straightforward answer at all. And Keith, how would you reflect on the situation in terms of the personal finance profession? Yeah, I, I agree with Julia. I think we've all surprised ourselves from the, uh, the first stage of lockdown, but it, it just goes to show how resilient we are in that when you're thrust into a situation, you often don't have time to think. So I think everyone responded admirably, got on with it and really got stuck in. So in, in many ways, I, I think we can be very proud of the way the profession reacted, many clients were immediately looked after, uh, and the kind of confidence that our profession provides to the end consumer was very evident. The bigger challenge, I think, for for all of us is, of course, mental well-being is something that exists either in a pandemic or outside. It's, It's all about, you know, our thoughts and feelings and how we cope with the ups and downs of everyday life. So the bigger challenge I think for all of us is that uh, as we've gone further into this pandemic, and of course we're coming up to nearly a year, you can now start to see the real pressures and strains where people are having to cope with 
dealing in a different environment for work, having to worry about relatives, family and friends. And of course, the fact that lockdown itself is creating lots of different stresses and strains. So I think the real challenge around our mental well-being and mental health is coming more and more to the fore now. And you know, my concern is making sure that we're doing the right things to support our members in helping them support their clients. And in, in particular, we, we're thinking a lot more about our own staff and the impact on their well-being. Absolutely. And in a recent poll of CII and PFS members, almost six out of 10 professionals said they had suffered depression, anxiety, emotional stress, or another mental health condition during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, you know, at first look, that might seem higher, Keith, but, you know, that's possibly understandable considering the situation that many, many people are in. Yeah, absolutely, Luke. Actually, I think the figure is is not as high as it as it really is. So 60% might seem high, but, you know, we're all impacted one way or another. And, you know, one of the things that strikes me is, of course, it's great that we've got social media and we can all access the internet. But the problem is um, that in itself can affect the way people feel when you're constantly reading headlines that, that look a bit depressing. Whereas actually, you know, one of the key factors of, of when people are feeling down is to step out of effectively the rat race and talk to a, a member of your family or a friend and start to sort of rebalance and repitch your life. But, uh, you know, one of the challenges that we've all faced is is constantly bad news headlines. So just as people start to see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, the very next news item is that uh, it wasn't light at the end of the tunnel at all. It was an oncoming train. And, uh, of course, just recently we've had the, uh, the, the bad news for many that the lockdown is going to be extended to early March. So, uh, you know, I think I'm not surprised. What it has done, though, is it's great that more people are recognising the importance of admitting that they're feeling down or they're low or they're being impacted. And, and that, for me, was the most powerful message that come from our survey, because for a lot of people, they don't like to admit that they've got challenges or they're feeling stressed. You know, it might otherwise sound like a, a weakness but I think, you know, if we can get over those previous stigmas, then it's a great path to making sure that people can, when they're feeling down, start a path of recovery and have much better well-being. It really is. Julie, how have we seen the insurance profession react in the past year or so and support those experiencing mental ill health? Well, I think we come at this from two different angles because we come at this as major employers and providers of solutions. So, you know, as major employers, the insurance industry has responded very strongly. I mean, the insurance industry has been strongly visible in the area of mental health for some time. So, you know, we've been we have been leading charities and leading the process of trying to make sure that there is, to, to Keith's earlier point, no stigma around acknowledging mental health as a, an issue in exactly the same way as you would acknowledge physical health as a, a an issue for all of us to manage. So I think we were kind of active and ahead of the, the game anyway, but mental health has been democratised by the pandemic in a way that nothing previously has ever achieved because it's been the conversation 
again, to Keith's point, it's been the conversation that's followed the bad news on every kind of newscast or television programme that is talking about how we should manage our lives and how we should manage our environments. Mental health is being talked about very openly. It's as natural a conversation uh, as the physical health conversation surrounding the issues in the pandemic. So, you know, I think that we have done our part there. We, we have, as I say, been ahead of the game. As employers, we're making we're making packages available to our colleagues that allow them to self-serve uh, and learn a little bit about uh, how they're feeling, explore how they're feeling, but also get help. You know, there is plenty of help there. And as employers, we're, we're making that help available. We're actually training colleagues to be to be mental health first aiders so that our colleagues are able to help colleagues. The importance of just being able to listen and start the dialogue, not be judgmental and bring someone into a situation where they are comfortable and able to articulate the way they feel and then direct them towards the help that, that is out there is, is critical, is really important. Then the other side of this is we should be leaders in this field because we're also providers in this field. And we are all accelerating the solutions that we have available to our clients. Uh, that's certainly the case for, for the firm that I work with. And I know from the, um, the reading that I do that that is the case for many firms who are in a position to support employers with managing uh, mental health within their organisations. We had one speaker come to an event, which was really, uh, he was really interesting. The speaker was talking about the fact that every company now is a health company because health and welfare of the workforce is critical to the success and performance of an organisation. And you really do see that understanding coming to the fore in corporation strategy and corporate strategy. So I'd give us a, I'd give us a great big tick. I think we are well on our way to making health and mental health a core capability and a core benefit uh, for our colleagues. Fantastic. That certainly good to hear. Keith, would you add anything to that? Yeah, absolutely, Luke. I think from a slightly different perspective where many financial planners have built strong long-term relationships with their clients, we're seeing some really positive contribution from the sector where they're helping clients, in particular those who may not have a large family, uh, don't often know how to use technology perhaps, or perhaps some of the other services available. Even things like uh, I've heard of firms setting up the simplicity of, of how people start to engage with their online shopping. So, you know, it really has galvanized society in many ways. So uh, whilst, you know, m mental health and, and mental well-being is a key focus, some of the natural tendencies for humankind and in particular the services we provide have really come to the forefront <clears throat> and of course what we do find is that financial well-being is a really important part you know for a lot of people it's the stress around whether or not they're going to lose their job whether or not they can afford things how how the the market's going to go how their investments are performing so all of these things have a really powerful impact on people's well-being overall and I've got to say you know it, it's really heartening looking at some of the research at just how important financial advice and financial planning 
is in times like this. We've always known passionately that it, it played a, an extremely important role in society, as of course does insurance more broadly. But at times like this, it really has come to its fore. But our next phase of focus has equally got to be <clears throat> on supporting the, uh, the mental well-being of our members. Absolutely. I mean, and it's true that everyone's kind of in their own unique situation, as you touched on there, Keith. Some have families, some people loneliness is an issue. And, and the very important factor, as you say, is of a financial situation. How important is it that, you know, financial advisors continue to tailor advice to those unique situations and support people to be more financially resilient? Yeah, it's majorly important, Luke. You know, for many people, there's some good evidence about those that receive advice are financially better off than those who don't. There's just literally this week been some some government recognition that advice is far better than guidance when it comes to pension freedoms. But in general, what planning really does is it gives people certainty and confidence. So one of the things that affects all of us and our well-being is is when we are faced with periods of great uncertainty. What financial planning has really helped to do very clearly is it helps people with a plan and certainty of how to deal with certain situations within their life. And and the whole journey of financial well-being is a very important ingredient in the way that people often feel and set about. I mean, interestingly enough, a lot of financial planners are now finding that with clients who historically have been quite frugal and saved most of their life, they find it very difficult to spend in retirement. So financial planning in itself, um, in a strange way, is not just about helping people save. It actually has turned into helping people spend the money that they've accumulated, which is a really important part of the whole planning cycle and has dramatically changed. So I, I think at times like this, the need for advice is always evident, but necess- but the demand doesn't necessarily come forward. What we're seeing at the moment, the demand for advice is clearly increasing as people are facing very uncertain futures and need some expert professional guidance uh, to help them through those choppy waters. Excellent. Now, it's been 10 or so months since many of us were working in that physical office space and that we're used to, you know, having regular face-to-face meetings and, and having that social aspect of our professional lives. Julie, how can companies and, and colleagues continue to support the mental well-being of, of employees and, and the people they work with? In much the same way that we were talking about before, which is creating an environment within which you empower colleagues to manage their lives in the way they best know how. So I'll give you an example. At the moment, it's pretty dark. The days are starting to to get lighter, but it is dark. It's dark in the morning. It's dark at the end of the day. And we all know how important a bit of light, a little bit of vitamin D and a bit of exercise is. So as employers, we can say, look, you manage your day as best as you know how. We, We trust you to get the job done. You know, trust is nearly always repaid. So give people the ability to manage their lives the way they best know how, give them the ability to take their exercise in the daylight hours, uh, to manage their work around the times that they're best able to perform. And that will support them. It will make them feel trusted. It will help them around some of the points of anxiety in the day. I mean, Keith was talking about what creates anxiety. Obviously, financial well-being creates anxiety. So offering some degree of certainty around the performance of your firm and the fact that your firm 
is able to manage its way through the pandemic creates in itself a little bit of certainty around you know, financial well-being. So keep talking to your colleagues, keep giving them as much as you can in the way of freedom to manage their time, uh, you know, and keep providing and highlighting access to the tools available to them and to the people available to them to help them manage anything that they have any uncertainty about. So it's, it's proactivity, trust, freedom and empowerment. And Keith, can you tell us more about how the Chartered Insurance Institute and the, and the Personal Finance Society are supporting members with their mental well-being? Yeah, absolutely, Luke. Uh, there's a whole, a whole program of support for members. At the very early stage of the pandemic, we launched COVID hubs with useful guides, uh, informations uh, and links in particular with a number around health and well-being. And also we run a program called Perks, which provide a number of, of benefits for members. So we, we repurposed and highlighted that program, which has seen quite a significant spike in the number of users. We do offer a free legal helpline, which provides support on commercial and private issues. And you know we've got physical activity to bring members together in a common challenge and online community. So there's a whole range of things that we've done. We upped our game in the, the number of communications we send. So for our, in particular, our, our new insurance societies, and of course, the Personal Finance Society, we were sending weekly newsletters uh, that then converted into fortnightly newsletters. But there's quite a significant amount of information and collateral available around mental health, good practice guides for insurance brokers, for example, the same for underwriting, claims professionals. We've done mental health workshops with free resources available for mental health in business. And, uh, and we're making the insurance profession more inclusive for those with a history of poor mental health through various podcasts that we've done through CII Radio. But again, always providing some, uh, some further links uh, and signposting to areas where people can get help. I mean, what we're also finding, Luke, is that a lot of employers, as Julia mentioned earlier, really stepped up to the plate. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of material that employers were already providing or support they're already providing that perhaps was being underutilized. So what we're finding is, is repurposing what's available and what was always available has surprised a number of employees. So it's, it's always good not to assume that people know what support is available. You've got to keep repurposing it, you know, make it relevant to, uh, to the times. And, uh, and we're just about to, for the Personal Finance Society membership, we're just about to launch some further updates on mental well-being and financial well-being as part of our ongoing development of the COVID hub and support for members and indeed guidance around support for their, their clients. Excellent. Thank you, Keith. And we'll certainly guide our, our listeners and encourage them to, to make use of, of that information. And finally, to you both, is there anything you'd like to add or any, any way you'd like to direct listeners for further support? Julie? I don't think there's too much to add other than to say that the information is all out there and even if your own employer perhaps doesn't have the resources as some of the larger employers a lot of information is available on public websites and uh, the public websites of organizations you know like the organization i work for and many of the big 
insurers make their information available publicly. So, you know, there is plenty of information and plenty of signposting to take you towards it. You know, the big statement is, you know, through memberships like the Chartered Insurance Institute provide, through employers, the conversation is there to be had, help is there to be had, and no one, particularly in our industry, no one should ever feel like they're alone with these challenges, you know, and that is in addition, of course, to the the great help that is out there through organisations outside and beyond the insurance industry. Well, thank you, Julie, and thank you, Keith, for speaking to us today on what is a hugely important subject and some real useful insight and discussion there. So thanks very much for speaking to us today on CII Radio. Thank you very much, Luke. Okay, thank you, Luke. And thank you for listening. Uh, If you'd like to find out more, you can visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts, or you can follow us on Twitter at CII Group. So until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening to CII Radio.